What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. There's something to playing literally because you're playing with your local guys. And even if it's not about baseball, you're playing with people you could be going to school with the rest of your life and those are your best friends. And outside of baseball, it's really important to have those, have baseball not be your entire life, you know? Welcome into another episode of Baseball Americas from Phenom to the Farm. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. We've got a timely episode today as I am talking to former Pepperdine right-hander and member of the 2009 Little League World Series champion Parkview All-Stars, Kiko Garcia. I always enjoy watching the Little League World Series, so it was great having Kiko on to recall his time in Williamsport in detail and how that impacted his career after. While it's kind of a common theme that a lot of star Little Leaguers go on to do things other than baseball, Kiko continued to play at a high level. We talk about his time on Team USA's 14 and under team, dueling against future number one overall pick Brady Aiken in high school, and his time at Pepperdine, how he had to find the right mentality in order to have success. I really enjoyed having Kiko on and appreciate him letting me ask a bunch of questions about that time he was 12. Episodes of From Phenom to the Farm drop every other Tuesday. If you enjoy this one, subscribe wherever you get your podcast and go check out past interviews. And if you haven't yet, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also, make sure to subscribe to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA Podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. Just released the re-ranked Top 100, and the Hot Sheet Pod is still going strong. Lots of great stuff going on at BA. Always a good time to be a BA subscriber. With that, let's talk to former Pepperdine right-hander and 2009 Little League World Series champion, Kiko Garcia. All right, joining in for today's episode from Feeding on the Farm, he was a member of the 2009 Little League World Series champion Parkview Little League team and a former right-hander at Pepperdine University, Kiko Garcia. Kiko, thanks so much for joining from Feeding on the Farm. Yep, thank you for having me. Of course, yeah. I'm, like we were, we were saying just now before we started recording, uh, you get often get asked about you know baseball this time of year, especially with your Parkview team. Um, I Kind of off the bat, in the in the past decade, do you do you watch the Little League World Series much? Like, is it something that that interests you still? Yeah, no, it's. I mean, even prior to ever playing in it, it's something I guess you annually watch. So I'm still. It's as much as um I did when I was younger. Maybe not as much, but there's every year if there's like a interesting team or um like some years there's been other Chilvis that teams that played in it after us. So definitely have tuned in for those. But um you know it's definitely cool to watch back and especially that how everything's changed like even now i've seen they've added a lot to the area and the complex so it's cool to see and then think about how different it was when we were there yeah it's one of i i i still love it like i've, I've watched it every year still a big fan it was a bummer when when covid took it out so I'm, I'm glad it's back at full force this year um kind of going back to around that age when did you first realize that that you were good at baseball and that baseball was going to be your thing you were going to be kind of a, a specialty sport guy um I would probably say age nine or 10, I think it was. That's when our Little League area, most players were either like joining travel ball teams. And right around then, we started building the Parkview team when we were that young. And then we were playing travel ball together and then come together for the Little League season. So I think right around then, it was probably nine or 10 for sure, was when we started to figure out like, hey, we have a pretty good group of guys here. So that's how it took off from there. And just kind of in those, in those early leagues now. So like, um, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bit older than you. I think I graduated high school the year you, you guys won the league world series. Um, but I have like an eight year old now. And so I'm kind of going into, into that thing. And I, you know, travel ball was around when I was around, but, um, how much baseball, like even, even before, you know, eight, 12 year old all-stars or whatever it was, how much baseball were you, you playing year round at that point, even at like nine, 10, I mean, it was every weekend. I can remember going to uh, the local places where either in Poway, which is northern San Diego, or also our travel ball team would take us up to San Clemente, which is, I mean, anywhere from an hour to two hour and a half drive. So that was pretty much every weekend, especially when it was outside of um, the Little League season. I mean, there's always some 
some holiday tournament like Labor Day or the 4th of July or something that you'd be driving out to Arizona, Vegas, anywhere in the south, like the southwest region at that age. And then, um, it, yeah, I think it's like California is probably a little more dominant when you're younger at baseball because you have these year-round tournaments. It's kind of similar to Texas, I would assume, um, but you don't have as much time to really pick other sports up. If you're playing year-round baseball and playing all these tournaments and practices and whatever it is so you get used to playing year-round baseball really early oh yeah it's pretty much like you take december off and that's about it yeah exactly yeah yeah there's there's always some like workout or showcase something especially when you get into high school in december so it's pretty much year-round but um you mentioned that you guys and i was trying to do my research before we started and watching things on on you know there's plenty on youtube about the parkview team and stuff and um it seemed like it was not masterminded isn't the word but it seems like it was a, a, a conscious effort to build a group of kids and and kind of prep for a, a run at the Little League World Series, or at least All-Stars, like get a get a group of good local kids together. What are your earliest recollections of actually getting that team together and playing like how far before the actual Little League World Series run? Yeah, so it's interesting because I maybe didn't have as long of seeing it all be put together at the actual Little League because I joined Parkview. There was a big division, like our district realignment, where um, I think it might have been two years before we went where they shifted little league around and people, it was more dependent on what middle school you went to. I don't know what the whole thing ended up being, but there's a bigger realignment. So I was actually at a different little league up until age 10. And then most of the guys were still at Parkview. And then I think three or four of us came over to Parkview because of that realignment. Um, but even prior to that, we were playing on the same club ball team of the gorillas back in the day. So we were doing that when we were, nine ten so we're familiar with everyone and um after the realignment we kind of saw it all being put together it, it's interesting for me because i actually had to sit out my 10 year old year because i hurt my shoulder when i was 10 and i just took the entire year off from throwing so i didn't even get to um play all-stars that year but there was a team that was infamous to parkview that was like just the most dominant team in the in southern california um Rancho Santa Margarita, their name was. And um, I remember hearing stories. I didn't see it, but they were apparently just the team that everyone thought was going to do exactly what we did. And um, it wasn't until that next year when I, I came back from my 11-year-old year where we um, had added a couple guys that came over from the realignment, and then we stacked up pretty well and ended up um, beating them that year, which was um, crazy, which is – the year before, you actually do anything, so it kind of just stopped there. But, yeah, so long story short, that's my favorite right there. That, I mean, that year in general, I'm sure it helps a little bit that you kind of like in situations like this, you have to recall it pretty often. But how how vivid is that summer, or is it something that everything happened? So, if I mean, you know, it was 13 years ago. Like, I can remember almost nothing from when I was 12. Like, is it something that you have to kind of strain back and remember it, or because of what a what an event it was, it, it comes back vividly? It's, it, it is actually something hard to think back and remember every detail. Honestly, because it all happened so fast. Like, after our 12-year-old year, when we won subdivisions and beat Rancho Santa Margarita, like the team I was saying, that was just so dominant, we went instantly to divisions, like, a couple of days later, which was, um, I can't remember what part of L.A. it was, but we went up there. And then after we won that series, instantly shipped to San Bernardino for regionals, or, uh, yeah, for regionals. And then, like, everything happened within a day sequence of each other. And then we had to fly out to Williamsport. And so it was all really rushed and all, like, us not really understanding what's happening until like i guess after the fact like looking back on it it's like wow that was actually a crazy summer of just going from city to across the country and then it all coming together but yeah no definitely hard to fully remember everything and then um it's like you actually remember things i remember mostly things off the field than i do on the field um because in the in the heat of the moment it's uh, more adrenaline more all of that and um it's easy to remember the memories of staying in the barracks together or the cafeteria or the arcade room, stuff like that. It's probably a little more easy to remember. Um, but like, I guess actually playing in the games is maybe more of a blur because it's just so in the moment and you're jacked up on adrenaline the whole time with all these people watching you. So yeah, definitely harder to remember those details. How long does that stretch? Like, do you remember like, I guess first all-stars practice to, 
championship game like how and how are there any days without baseball where it's not the constant thing i think that you i think it's pretty much non-stop and for the whole summer you maybe have like a day or two in a row for rest in between like the different tournaments like you go to districts and sectionals whatever it is there might be like a day or two in between there but other than that not really you're kind of just go 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 from it's probably like a two-month period um but yeah no it's pretty consecutive which is crazy because california is one of the states where there's a lot more hoops to jump through to get to the lilywood series where there's some states you maybe only have like two or three to get to the the kids at that point but california is like five or six because there's just so many teams so it's definitely more games played um coming out of that region but yeah it's pretty much i think it's just two months of non-stop baseball it prepped you to play in the northwoods league when you're in college i yeah <laughs> Northwood was unfortunately I was a starting pitcher when I was in Northwood, so I only had to throw once a week. But it was still every single day you're on a bus driving eight hours some part of Minnesota or Iowa or wherever you are that week. Yeah, I've heard about the uh, the Northwoods grind. So um, you guys start like you said, you start start running through regionals, districts, all those things. How much when you're 12, 13, How much does TV change things? Like, are you very aware when suddenly there's TV cameras, or was it easy to shrug off at that point? I think, I don't know, personally, I was pretty ignorant to it. I think some of my teammates were more keen and probably better. I think, admittedly, I remember watching back some of my time on TV, then the interviews, I was really bad on camera. Like, I maybe said four words, and I was just, I mean, it was probably just nerves and never having to be on camera before. But um, There's also a I, video of you dancing in the dugout still on YouTube. Yeah, that one, I've, I've gotten a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, uh, Black from my buddies on that, especially in high school and college. So could be worse. Could could yeah. be way worse. I mean, there, there's also a clip where I, I can't remember if it's Musburger or one of the announcers talking about you hitting, I think like 14, 14 bombs and 27 at bats or something like that. Like d- does hitting a bomb ever lose its luster at that point? Like when you're to, were you still getting charged up when you were hitting them or was it just like, or was it more that a, a B's that you didn't homer just become more of a bummer? Yeah, no, I think I was actually pretty even-headed, like, or level-headed when I was playing. Like, I remember seeing that, and I was pretty emotionless, and I kind of look back, and I wish I could, I could have been more entertaining, and it probably been more funny, just, like, look back on, like, me being 12 and dumb and just, like, being more, like, emotional. But I really wasn't that emotional when I hit the home runs regardless. So, um, yeah, no, I think, like, some of my teammates would have, like, a little production, like Luke's home runs, his, like, he would walk out of the boxes and knew he hit them. And I he never was really pimping did home runs at I someone uh, supercut all the home runs that t- that you guys hit in in Williamsport and like everyone looks like you know little leaguers hit it start running to first base really fast he's doing he's doing the bat drop he's sitting in the box for a half second like he yeah. had it had it down pretty well no you was doing it right honestly if I had to go back and do it I would do that too it'd be hilarious like if you're five years later looking at what you're doing at twelve on national television it would be pretty funny but um, yeah no. I think I, none of us really were prepared or not, I guess prepared is not the right word, but we weren't like trained to be on TV ever. Like there was never before going on the label series or even regional, there was no like time where officials sat us down and like say, Hey, like you're going to be on TV. Like this is like the, the do's and the don'ts, whatever it is. Like we kind of just rolled into it and just were playing baseball. So, I mean, I think probably I would have benefited a little more for like being taught how to be interviewed um, just because I was, visibly nervous when I was on TV. So um, that's just something just looking back that I kind of wish was different, but I mean, regardless, it was cool. The, no matter what would have happened. You guys needed a PR consultant. Yeah. Um, that, that whole summer, how much time did you, you spend with your folks? Like a typical little league game or even a travel ball game. It's like you play the game, you get in the car with your parents after you talk about it, you know, whatever, um, how atypical was the experience, especially once you guys started making the run and you're traveling a ton and then you're in Williamsport and, and stuff like that. Like how, how on your own did that, that feel? Yeah, I would say maybe not until the end where we actually were completely cut off from our family. Like I would say regionals and San Bernardino and then the world series, we lived in like barracks. So we went to the game, played, went home to the barracks and just didn't see our family. It was like very and secured um so also our coaches took our phones from us so 
So like they wanted no contact from the outside world, just really focus on the games and getting prepared and whatever it was, no distractions. So that was one interesting thing that our coaches did do. Um, but in terms of our family, like, yeah, once we went to San Bernardino, went to, to Williamsport, we basically had no contact with anyone besides ourselves. I mean, on the field that worked, you guys won a title. How did, how did you react to that at, at like 12, 13 years old? That's, that's, uh, that's extreme. Yeah. I would say the phone thing was, we're still like having flip phones, mind you, 2009. So I think I had, I don't know, like the envy touch, I think at the time was like the big phone to have, but the, the razor was around, I, I will say. Yeah, exactly. So it was like those types of like having phones wasn't as prevalent, I guess, as, as it is now. Um, but it wasn't. I guess no one really minded. I mean, it was all obviously for a good out- outcome to result from it. So, and I think it helped us. I mean, you give a 12 year old all these texts, your phone's blowing up from your friends in middle school or wherever it is, it's probably could be distracting. So I could see why our coaches did it. And honestly, probably led to maybe more success. Like who knows? I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you what would have happened if we did have phones or not, but um, it worked out, I guess. So it doesn't really matter. Now that I guess you're, you're, older in the real world now um you can at least kind of look at like the other side of of make you know being not a not a parent but like being an adult and watching having a kid making a little league world series run do you have any idea what the financials look like for your you know your folks other parents on the team i mean in just terms of you guys for domestic teams being as as far as possible from from Williamsport, like do you have an idea of what that looked like? I have no idea. That's a good question, actually. I know there was fundraising being done with like, throughout Chula Vista for the families. Um, we're not. I mean, Chula Vista is not the most affluent area in San Diego or anything by any means. So I think it obviously was expensive to do all that and the hotels and everything. So. Um, but I know for sure there was fundraising. I think the league did help out as well. Um, so I couldn't tell you, but it was obviously in the thousands of dollars to get across and stay in the hotels and whatever it was, the food, whatever it might be. So definitely appreciate the parents of that perspective, just being able to stick along. I think everyone's family was able to go. Like maybe maybe one or two was, weren't, but pretty much everyone was. And even friends of families and friends of friends were able to go. So we had a really big crowd, I know, in Williamsport, which is cool. Um, and yeah, fundraising and all that was super appreciated from the city itself and the league. So that was cool to see the vibe when y'all get to Williamsport, like in the, in the dorms or barracks, whatever the guys have you. And is it kind of like the first day of school? And we get all the pieces on TV every year about like, look at the good sportsmanship and these kids bonding with kids from other countries and stuff like that. Is it, is it this like perfect world of co-mingling or like you, you know, you're playing against these kids for the little league world series. Like, is, does that stuff actually happen? It's pretty funny. Cause we, I would say we're the opposite of that. I think we came in because teams saw our numbers from regionals. We basically steamrolled regionals and came in. I think we were coming in knowing that we were the dominant team and people were talking about us in that light. So I think we came in kind of already being inherently disliked just because we were the team with the attention. But yeah, and I think we actually did have like as much beef as 12 year olds could have, I guess. Like we, I don't know. We came in kind of, I wouldn't say cocky, but we came in with an attitude, I would say. And we came in knowing that we deserve to win this. We're the best team. Like we basically don't feel like any team could have, could have competed with us. So we kind of brought that into even like little things in the arcade room. We're playing ping pong against other teams. We kind of, we weren't, I don't know. We tried, we, I guess, took on this persona as like the bad boys or like just the team to beat. Essentially, we were just carrying that with us, which was, cool i think it helped us and made us really confident going into each game so i don't know we weren't definitely those i think like the other day i saw like a guy getting hit and the 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 runner hugging the pitcher and whatever that was like that would have never been us so um (laughs) it's just funny looking at that now but yeah yeah that uh that brought a wide variety of opinions out um yeah so i mean so with that did you guys I guess, I mean, you could speak for yourself or the whole team. Like, did you still have nerves in those first few games? Like were the, were those still apparent? Did you, cause I've, I've, I know the the best teams I've ever played on the ones that felt like they were going to win there. There was less of that in each game. And obviously, you know, it never played in front of 20,000 people on ESPN, but at age 12, but like, were, 
was there still a, a definite difference of I'm nervous, this feels different than even regionals, or was it kind of a, a calming thing because you guys had ripped their regionals so easily? Yeah, I think we felt we had beaten the best teams coming through California anyway. So if, if we didn't win in our coming out of our region, there was obviously teams in Southern California. I think the team like Torrance, for example, we were playing. Like if we didn't win and they beat us, they would have won the whole thing too. If we didn't beat Northern California in the regionals, they would have won the whole thing too. So it was one of those attitudes, I think. Um, so I think our first game, we run-ruled them and had a one-hitter. So we came in pretty confident after that game and kind of just carried that through the rest of the rest of the tournament. Where do those games rank in terms of intensity, fun, anything? Like you've done Team USA, you've pitched in NCAA regionals, just NCAA conference games. Like where does it stack up? Because it's Little League, like with games you play when you're quasi an adult? Yeah, I, th- I definitely think so. And especially because it was our first time ever feeling anything close to that. And then having so many eyes. And also in the championship at that point, you're playing for your country. And it's kind of similar, I guess, to the USA team, where you have a lot of pressure at that point. You're representing more than yourself. You're representing your whole nation. So having that as a 12-year-old, I guess, is um, something you feel. But... At the same time, like I said, we always felt like we were the best team. We would talk about it openly. We would probably talk about it openly to other teams. Um, so it was like one of those things where we just like really took on the persona of like these guys are expecting to win this whole thing, not even close. So that's where we carried through the tournament. I've got to ask what gear day was like, because I remember when I was like 12 or 13 and you see that, you know, the kids in their new uniforms are all using bat, you know, they got new helmets, you know, all of those cool uniforms and matching bats, everything like that. Was it, was it a custom, was it like college gear day where you're picking stuff or was it just like you got handed some stuff and there you go. We actually had a pre a pretty decent amount of gear because that time it was Easton sponsoring most things. So we basically got exact dupes of um, UCLA's gear with their sponsor by Easton. So we had like the exact UCLA batting gloves. Um, they basically gave us, yeah, they gave us each a bat. They gave us batting gloves, helmet, the jersey and the hats, obviously. Um, I think they probably get a little more now. And some teams get like custom gloves shipped in from, local glove people but we didn't have that at the time um but no i would say maybe a little less than college but you still like as a 12 year old you're not used to getting anything like that for free so regardless we were all super excited and took most of it home and i think we probably all have it laying around somewhere i i know you mentioned the the games are more fuzzy you remember the off but like can you can you walk me through as best you can the game against georgia because you guys go down you go down big early like you can admit it now it's been over 10 years was anyone like, did anyone panic? I think, I think so. There was a moment where, like, I got, I, I got hit a little bit in that game. Actually, I gave up like four runs. I think like, it was probably my worst outing the whole summer, to be honest. And then um, I gave up a home run or something, and then I got taken out. And they put in a different pitcher, and there was like a pass ball that he ended up getting hurt on or whatever it was. And I think then was the only moment. I think that's probably on the fourth inning, but. Um, I don't know. Like we always felt like our bats, we could score 20 runs in two innings. Like we can hit home runs. Like that was not, that was never a concern for us and we can hit any pitcher. So I don't think there was much panic as there was just frustration of like what was currently happening. And then we're like putting our foot down at that point. I'm like, okay, well we're, we're going to stop this and play exactly how we knew we were able to play. So I don't know. It wasn't much like panic. It like was, we knew we can score runs really fast and, it was a matter of like playing our game and having the ball start going our way. But um, no, we were, like I said, we took on that persona of being really confident. So it ended up working out. It's kind of what makes the little league world series really fun is that no game is really ever out of reach. Like, an, you know, big leagues, like someone goes down eight, this game's, this game's over. They're going to put his you know, position player into pitch, whatever. Like, I th- I think the League World Series would be just as fun as March Madness to like go to Vegas and just just hammer, <laughs> but uh, yeah. but but regardless, so you guys you get to obviously you get to the the national championship or the the world championship game. You get on the the bump against against Chinese Taipei. Uh, kind of kind of the same question, but in all of your outings throughout life, it in high school, in college, Northwoods, whatever, is there 
the the nerve level is that is that peak or because you're 12 13 years old is it kind of subdued or just not you're not quite as aware of how big a deal it is yeah i don't think that one i actually had nerves um i don't th- i think i gave up like one hit against them i think the problem i had i think i hit four of them or something like i drilled four people i think that was more of my issue at the time but um i just think i saw the way they were getting their swings off me and they just, they just weren't there so i think i felt a little better about that um that's probably one of our low i think that was our lowest production game on offense so that maybe that was the only thing where i would have felt anything like usually i was accustomed to having like a 10 run lead just from our bats being so good but um no i think actually in terms of nerves that one i felt a little better about just because they weren't having good swings off me and like, i felt pretty in control the entire time so you you guys obviously win the title. You did all of this, and like you you talked about that early run nine ten and and moving to to Chula Vista and moving to the Parkview Little League. You did all this with like local kids, like some of which didn't go on to play travel ball, played other sports in high school. Um, that whole thing. There, there's kind of a move now against Little League at a younger age. A lot of kids are you know, just, just doing travel ball, even at like nine, 10, not doing the, the strictly local thing, literally world series aside, like the, this life-changing event aside or whatever, what did, what did you get out of little league, you know, playing locally from, from nine to 12? Yeah. I think it's silly when people talk about like saying literally the waste of time and to play just travel ball. Like I don't, I never understood that because at 12 years old, baseball is not that serious anyway. Like pretend like we never, win the Little League World Series, like, we still would have been playing Little League. Like, there's nothing really more important going on. Like, whatever travel ball tournament people think is going to be the end of the world if you don't play it, it's not really that serious. Like, baseball is still fun at that point. It's not really until, like, 14 or 16 when you start actually playing in high school where you need to be, like, more dedicated to it. So, at that point, like, you're exactly point. I think probably five or six of the guys on our team didn't even play high school baseball. Like, they were still like, they play other sports and you don't really need to make that decision to be fully committed to playing these crazy travel ball tournaments throughout the country. It's just, I don't know, more of a money grab to like have these like showcases at 12, which don't mean anything, but um, I don't know. I think it's silly. There's something to playing literally because you're playing with your local guys. And even if it's not about baseball, you're playing with people you could be going to school with the rest of your life and those are your best friends. And outside of baseball, it's really important to have those, have baseball not be into your entire life, you know? So I don't know. I don't, I would never agree. I would definitely have my kids playing little league. There's never a time where I would view a travel ball tournament at that age, more important than little league. Just, I don't know. I, I see a lot of like hate on it for sure. It's pretty common and I, I never understood it, but I don't know to each their own. Could just could not agree more. Uh, very, very well said. Um, so you, you guys, you guys, I guess wrap up the, you know, you wrap up the title, but then I, that, that wave just continues to go. You're, you know, you met two, one current president, one eventual president, a uh, bunch of big leaguers saw, saw t- someone dapping up Tony Gwynn. Who, who was the coolest? Like what was the coolest person you met or most awestruck experience of meeting someone? I think meeting the president was probably just the most, like it was just more of an intense thing. Like you had to see how to go through so many levels of security and clearance to like get, <laughs> funny because someone we had hoodies on going through the security and someone had dropped like a piece of metal in someone's hoodie to like set off the alarm and obviously there's like secret service and we're 12 not taking it seriously but um that was just more of like wow this is like really serious but i think the coolest thing i think was when we came home there was a big parade for us in chula vista and took up a junior college football field and like george lopez came on stage and gave us all like at the time which was crazy ipod touches which was the big thing. And um, that was just cool with the atmosphere. There was, I don't know, like 15 to 20,000 Chilavista people just waiting for us and having this big celebration. So I think that's where it just like felt like, wow, we just did something really crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I would say probably those two stuck out for me for sure. Surprised the NCAA didn't come down on you for that, those impermissible benefits of that iPod touch. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, we definitely got hooked up around, I guess now it doesn't matter anymore because I'm out of college, but yeah, we definitely got hooked up around Chula Vista with like shoes and hats and whatever stuff we wanted at the time. So that's pretty funny, but uh, yeah, the NCAA can't come after me now. Was it the uh, the best first day of school of your life 
after that summer? So we weren't, it's, this is crazy too. We went to big middle schools, right? So we weren't allowed to show up until like school had completely started an hour even later. So we showed up like an hour and a half to two hours late every day just because we couldn't go or else we'd be mobbed by, I think we had like 4,000 kids in middle school. So we just physically could not go to school early or else we'd be mobbed. And I don't know. It was like definitely that's, weird. It's bonkers. Yeah. It's like, yeah, definitely weird because we, we, the year before we were at the same middle school and we we're just essentially just normal kids. And then all of a sudden we come back and have to be escorted into our classrooms and have security and stuff. So I don't know. Interesting. How long did that last? At at what point were you no longer like you've always, I mean, you'll always be the, the, you know, the team, the guy who won the little league world series, but at what point did you, did you feel at least a little bit normal? Yeah, I would say probably just after that year at school, because after that, everyone went to high school and we all kind of went our separate ways. And um, at that point, like people quick to forget. Right. And then um, only really in the baseball world do people like you're if you're playing against people and at high school level and stuff like that, it's obviously they're going to be more closer to baseball. So um, so about like some, hey, like Kiko, you're Kiko from the World Series or whatever. And then um, but nothing like I think the hysteria probably was with like within a year after, like after that school year, it basically died down. I mean, it went back to normal, just more of people just coming up to you and say, hey, was, like you played in a little kid's school. How was your experience? Whatever. So that was continued after. But the hysteria was, was like after that school year was completed. And then at that point, you move into you make the, the Team USA 14 and under team. Um, you look through the roster. It's obviously like most Team USA teams, pretty impressive set of guys a little, I don't want to say less accomplished than like the collegiate national team or the 18 and under team, but just like 14 is harder to project kids. But like, obviously you've got Brady Aiken who goes one, one, um, you know, Verdugo, you know, at, you know, Adam Halsley with that, like now we have kids who make their college commitments at that age, like 14, 15, yeah. whatever, or a year past it. Um, are, are there benefits to being lauded that early? And are there, um, you know, are there, there drawbacks to getting that much attention that early? Yeah, I guess it's, I would say it's probably not one way or the other. It's more just how you react to it. Right. And like you're accustomed to success that early in age, it's important to just not be complacent. And then you're honestly like, I guess the hard part is if you're committed that early in high school, for example, it's like, okay, now you still have to be like really hungry for it. And then even though you're committed, you still have to be putting in the work because you're not going to be fully developed at 14, 15 years old or however good you may be. Um, I think almost every one of those guys was a D1 commit afterwards. And I think that's where the, the falling off point was, was though after that. So, um, yeah, it's, there's definitely drawbacks if there's if you're a type of, if like the people don't respond well and get complacent, which I don't think anyone was, is just, you can get also get burned out though if you're like your whole life at some point playing at the highest level, constant stress, whatever it is. Like some guys just maybe want to go a different route. Um, I don't. I guess most of the people I don't really talk to. I think well, three of the people from that team actually went to college with me um, at Pepperdine. Josh Davis and Isaiah Deutsch. Actually, just two of them went to Pepperdine with me. So it was cool to have like those guys end up seeing them five years later at the same campus. Um, but yeah, no, I think it could be good or bad. Good, like good if you take it in a way where it increases your confidence and you keep carrying that forward versus the negative would be being, like I said earlier, the complacency component of it and feeling like you don't need to work as hard or thinking that you're already at the level you need to be at, which is never true. So I guess there's, I guess, two sides of the coin. With, we kind of touched on this earlier with some of your teammates choosing not to play baseball, playing other things, doing with now you at that point you've been a member of team usa you also had this little league thing like not hanging over you but it was definitely like attached to your name did that add more pressure just more internal pressure if i need to be good because i'm pursuing baseball now at a high level and i'm known for these things yeah i think i think it was always something like, i just didn't want to be the little league kid right like i didn't it's a really common thing just to be really good when you're 12 or that age and then you kind of like Fade, fade away as you get older, as people catch up in ability or size or whatever it may be. So I think that was one thing. Like I just didn't want my ceiling to be the literally get like, or like whatever that is. Like the kid, the kid was good at 12. Like I never wanted to be that. So I think that was something that I was able to use to keep pushing me and get better. Um, 
but yeah, like I, I think it would have eaten me alive if the best thing I ever did in baseball was like just to be a good 12 year old. So I wanted to make sure I, that was never going to happen and did everything I could to move on to the next level, which fortunately I was able to have the ceiling for it. When did you realize that pitching was your ticket to that? It was the year, it was the summer of USA baseball. I think I didn't really know how I would have done just being more of a hitter. I think I kind of made that decision after like the USA summer where I made the team as a pitcher. I thought to myself, like, okay, this is what's going to get me to the next level. Like, obviously, if, if I'm good enough for USA to pick me, then I probably should be sticking with this. And I think, I think I down, I think I downplayed my own hitting ability. So I don't, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I don't know how good I would have been if I would have put as much time into hitting as I was pitching. Um, Cause I was a relatively good hitter, even when I was like 13, 14. Um, after the World Series stuff, but I've really put most of my energy into pitching. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess who knows? I could say I can't really probably can't say I would be in the Division One hitter or drafted as a hitter. I just have no idea. But I just knew I was good at pitching at the time. I knew that it was probably my best chance to get into college with it. So that's why I stuck to. Walk me through how you evaluated recruiting. I've always thought that Pepperdine seems like the easiest sell if they can get you to visit campus. Was anyone else? Was anyone else tempting? Um, it's, it's a pretty common thing in San Diego, like early on before Pepperdine, I was talking to USD. I see you, you grow up like practicing at USD. Um, so you're having constant FaceTime with those coaches. Um, it's also a pretty common thing. If you're good early on in San Diego, they try to get after you. Um, I just didn't want to stay in San Diego. I think if I was living or born or grew up anywhere other than San Diego, I would have wanted to go to USD. It was more of a thing. I just didn't want to stay at home. I wanted to see what else was out there. So, I mean, granted, I didn't go very far, but, um, you wanted to see what was in Malibu. Yeah, exactly. So it's at least, at least a few hours away instead of 15 minutes, but yeah, no, I, I loved everything about when I visited Pepperdine. Um, they were good at, they were like really good at the time. And obviously the year before I made campus, they went to the super regionals and were one out away from, or one inning away from going to the college world series. So it was a place that I made sense for me. I thought I was a good fit. Like, um, I didn't know personally, like the whole recruiting process. I had no one really, other than my travel ball coaches, like really guiding me. So it was more of like figuring it out as it was happening. And I ended up committing pretty early. I think I committed after my freshman year of high school so I think it's, there's good and bad things to that. I think looking back and if I have my own kid going through this process, I think I would have done it a little slower actually. And um, I didn't really have, like I talked to USD and that was basically it. And then I went to Pepperdine camp. They offered me, I committed. It wasn't really like this thought out, like ranking list process of picking a school I wanted to go to. It was more of like, I really like Pepperdine. They really wanted me, and I just kind of jumped at it. And like, it was like exciting because I have a guaranteed time to play in college, so I kind of used that as a reason to commit. Um, I don't know if I if I know what I know now. I don't know if I would have done the same thing of committing that early, but um, I don't have any regrets of what what I did though. Like, I love my experience at Pepperdine. I had great teammates, great coaches. It was a good fit for me. But I just think like it was probably maybe a little rash just to commit right as the first thing that happened to me other than USD. So, um, I don't know. It's hard. Like I never really knew the process. No one in my family played baseball. I was like the first one to be going through anything like this. So it's just, I mean, obviously you can't go back and change things, but I mean, definitely don't regret anything I did in the past. As you get into your, your senior year, we kind of talked about this before we started recording your, you know, you played with lived close to Brady Aiken, who, you know, as you guys are seniors is on his way to being, you know, first overall pick in the draft. You go against a guy like that. And it's obviously a start where there's plenty of people in the stands. Most of them are not there to see you. They're there to yeah. see, there to see Brady when you're, what's the, what's the mentality when you're, you're the other guy, um, you know, you're, you're a guy, you're D one signee, you've done, you've know, played on team USA, whatever. Is there, is there a chip? Is there, is that like the, I got to show out game? Like I'm just kidding. That start is still on YouTube. If folks want to, uh, folks want to check that out. Yeah, no, I didn't have a, I didn't have a chip on my shoulder about that. I kind of, I was at peace with him. I think he's the best high school pitcher I've ever seen in my life. And I'll still stick to that to this day. Like just pure dominance of seeing Brady pitch against us. Like, I think that was the game. He threw the fastest pitch he had thrown prior to the draft. Like he was 94 to 96, touching 97 against us with like a wipeout breaking ball. So it's like, 
yeah, it makes sense. There's 30 guys here to watch him and for get, get to get ready for the draft. So, um, and he and I were like teammates at that point. We played together in the off season and travel ball and all these tournaments in East Cobb and whatever it was. So, I mean, it was more just like also I was focused on a big rival rivalry game, like because Cathedral and Saints, my high school San Augustine, were they were like rivals. So it was more of that was probably more on my mind as well. Um, but I think the game, I think when Brady and I both came out of the game, it was still zero zero, and we ended up losing. I think like one zero or something. But um, no, great game. I think mean, you, you watch back the video, you can see like I don't know. It's cool. It's, it's actually fortunate that Brady was out there because then I have good video of me pitching in high school. So yeah, thank there you is for that. yeah no for, for some for someone <laughs> trying to do research for a uh, for an interview it was very very helpful. That, yeah, uh, no. that those people went out to go see Brady pitch. Um, yep. and, and made, made a separate feed for you. I think, I think just your first, I think your first inning is on YouTube, but that's, that's something. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's cool to see even to this, like, if I was curious about mechanics too, because I guess film wasn't as big back in high school at that time. So I even used that because in college, my freshman year, my velocity is down and I didn't know why. And I like was going back to mechanics. Like I had no idea why my velo was down. And I go back to that video because I think, I was like 89.91 in that game, and I was like, that's that was pretty good for me in high school. So I was like wondering why now. So I used that video to like get some me- even mechanical, like trying to figure out what I was feeling. Um, so ends up being a benefit. I kind of wanted to touch on that because you get to your first college season is the spring of 2015. Like 2015 to 2018, the four years you're in college is when it's this this rapid growth of of pitcher development of baseball training film. Like that's when Rob Soto gets big. Um, you know, that's when, when driveline starts getting some notoriety, stuff like that. Like how much of how you trained and how you went about evaluating yourself as a pitcher changed from when you got onto campus to when you left campus. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because my freshman year we had Steve Rodriguez and John Strauss as our coach, our coaches, our main, co- our head coach, and our pitching coach. And then after my freshman year, they ended up getting the job at Baylor. So we had a total shift of coaching. Um, I would say from the pitching side of things, Strauss was a very old school guy, more focused on um, game game management. I would say his strong suit was, and he was a former catcher, so maybe not like as mechanically inclined. Or I mean, old school philosophy is more of like you mentally mentally will your way through situations anyway. So. Um, that was one component versus the pitching coach that came in after him, Rolando Garza. Still, I think one of the best pitching coaches I ever had in my life, like really focused on developing you as a person, as well as like really cared about, um, really feeling your mechanics and your body and always have a total understanding of what's going on. So it's crazy to see like from one year to another, having a new guy come in who was way more new age and like really into like the rap Soto, like that got brought in after Strauss left. And when Gars came out, something he really wanted. So now this is the first time I had ever personally seen data on my like pitches. So it was interesting to see, like, okay, how much like vertical depth did you get on your breaking ball or um, how much spin rates on your fastball. And if you're a higher spin rate guy, maybe you want to be up in the zone. Like those are things you just never thought about if you didn't see the data in front of you. And I think as you see, like my numbers, my first two years of college were horrible. And I didn't really know, why and I think like I think about little things like okay I'm like I have to happen to be like a higher spin rate guy and throwing down in the zone was actually bad for me like in high school I, w- I didn't it's a lot easier to get away with things but I didn't think about keeping the ball down like I threw up in the zone like with confidence had my ball like be had this true life on it and I kind of went away from that my freshman year and sophomore year without seeing data where I was like okay I need to keep the ball down and get ground balls which is like what was actually bad for me and I would have never known that until I started seeing data. And then you look at my last two years of college, like really figuring that out and throwing more up in the zone, like really tunneling pitches. Like you see like Rob Friedman's like pitching ninja stuff where you're tunneling fastballs and stuff. It's like, that's where I started to see the benefit of technology and data. Um, so wish I had it earlier, but I mean, times change and things always improve. How'd you mentally deal with those first two years? Cause it seems like from the moment you got, you beat Chinese Taipei, it kind of been an ascent of success. Team USA, good high school career, heading to a, a top tier program and then struggle ERA over five, both years. How, you know, you're going back to your dorm room, you're working on things at practice. Like how, how did you, deal with that sense of internal I am not as good as I was in high school yeah I think my freshman year I 
honestly really struggled with it. I lost a lot of confidence. I I didn't know if I was good enough to play divisional level at the time, and I was really struggling internally with these things. And I mean, Strauss is like an old school guy, hard, like really hardcore. Um, like was wouldn't wouldn't hold back on you. And I had personally never had a coach like that. And I um, I know he meant it in a positive way to like light a fire under you. But I personally had never a coach like yell at me before and never in my life. So when I started doing bad and it wasn't met with like, um, I guess, encouragement and instead with like anger, or, like trying to light a fire under you, like I didn't react well. And I didn't realize until a year or two later, where like, I guess I would just like rechannel that energy, like, of, um, I don't know, like, instead of putting it into like a lack of confidence instead of like, okay, like he's yelling at you because he knows you're better than this. And to like really rechannel that into a positive way. I probably would have reacted better and not had the snowball effect on my season. But, I mean, I was young, right? Like, I think I was 18 at the time playing in college baseball against guys who I knew were really good. So, um, another thing, like, not really a lot of people in my family playing sports. It's like some people have a good support system to, like, like really channel that. I just didn't, I guess, react the best. And I fully admit that. And I think if I would have been able to – really take things in perspective and know like you're here for the reason they gave you a scholarship for a reason. Like they really believe in you. And I think it would have been a world difference in my performance. I just didn't have the right mindset, which I, which I really wish I did. You have the tough freshman year, um, that it's, it's a long freshman year. You guys make it to regionals. That's, you know, it's a long time commitment. Um, but you, you head to the Northwoods. I know, you know, some guys choose to stay on campus, get stronger, take class, whatever. Some guys just want to go home, make the case for the Northwoods or just the, the benefit of playing in the summer. What did, what did you gain from that? I, so the thing about the Northwoods I really liked is you had all the opportunity in the world to work on whatever you wanted to work on. Like there's obviously, I think it's what, 64 games in like 66 days or something ridiculous. Like you're just playing nonstop for two or three, like two and a half months. So um, I really liked it because I went out there really just try had a clean slate and like new opportunity um, really work on trying to get back to where I knew my ability was. And um, that's where I kind of found myself after, I would say after my freshman year where um, I really started the process of getting my mind back on track and, um, you have a lot of time to think, right? Like all, you have all these bus rides, you have whatever it is, like eight hour bus ride. I think the longest bus ride, like 14 hours to get to Canada. Um, so there's a lot of time to think, a lot of time to review. Just all the games are streamed online. So I would watch back all of my games. I had a really good summer and I, I think, I don't know. It's, it was something to be said that I, I guess I, I really appreciated having to have the opportunity to like just be on my own and the summer ball, like your coaches aren't going to be on you. Like it's more like they're there because they're either learning how to coach or they're having a summer gig or whatever, maybe. Um, so they're not going to be on you. Like they don't, they personally probably don't care if you win or lose or you play bad or good, whatever. It's like, you're there for yourself. You're there to get better. You're there to um, try your coaches, like want you to work on a specific thing, whatever it may be, like get stronger, like improve a breaking ball, like work on one pitch or whatever it is. So I think that's where I ended up finding success. And I guess it didn't really fully come around to my junior year, but um, so I played two years in the Northwoods. But um, I think each time I kept building and getting better, like even though my numbers don't really reflect, reflect it in my sophomore year, like that season versus my freshman year were a world difference of like actual performance I think my sophomore year all my runs were like in like two or three starts I had at the beginning of the year and after that when I started coming out of the bullpen which I ended up finding huge success in um I didn't really give up a lot of runs after I became a reliever so like one of those things where I had to have an understanding of what worked for me um how much intensity I should be like either preserving or letting out of the tank all at once like it's it's like a balance and in like high school, you don't really have to worry about that. Like you're generally, if you're a division one player in high school, you're generally better than everyone and can get away with throwing fastball down the middle and like not really thinking. So it's a big difference when you go to college, then you have to like then start actually game planning and thinking strategically. So it's one of those things that I think the Northwoods is a huge benefit. I would fully suggest, obviously there's a big hype on the, the Cape. And I think there's obviously 
for being eyes to be shown on you after like going into your junior year when it's draft time, fully recognize the importance of that. But I think like most freshmen after they're going to their sophomore years should be playing in the Northwoods. It's just, I think those like undoubtedly produce like the most successful players to be ready for that next season to then go to the Cape after that. I don't know. I, I, I'm a big fan of the Northwoods, and I would always stand behind it. It's a good league for sure. I say it all the time on this show, but just I, I just fully support like go play summer ball. Like summer ball is the best time I think for everyone, especially if you have like a tough year. It's just the, the best time. It's a great way to reset. Um, he and I've never heard. I didn't play in the Northwoods, but I've never heard a bad thing about the Northwoods besides the the bus rides. But yeah. um, you you mentioned you mentioned the intensity thing and like having to decide like when to when to scale back when to, is that why the transition to the pen going to the pen full time seemed to click for you is that yeah. is that like intensity burst yeah for sure I think I I mean arguably you look at the numbers right when I started coming out of the bullpen my ERA drastically went down and I found a lot of success and I think it just lined up with how I pitched like I was mostly a max effort guy who like wanted to work fast, wanted to like really attack hitters. And then I guess like starting, it's more of like a pacing game where you maybe can't throw every pitch as hard as you possibly can or whatever it is. I think I just personally found it being more true to who I was as a player and um, coming in and having like that attitude of, okay, I'm just going to give my best stuff every pitch for the next 20 pitches. It played more to my style. Um, so yeah, I think, I found myself being more of that, like that really intense guy coming out of the bullpen. Like I also enjoyed it more. I don't know, like having the game more like in critical situations, whether like runners on second and third, one out, like whatever it may be. I think that fed me more and like, like really got me more amped up to be, to be able to perform. Um, I just, for whatever reason, just was a bad starting pitcher in college. Like I have no idea why I think I had a lot of time before games. So I'd really like get in my own head and like, you show up at the game late obviously like you show up on your own time you have your own schedule versus like a, a reliever you're like there the entire time and all of a sudden you're thrown into the fire i think i actually succeeded more in that role but yeah i didn't tell you why i just was a bad starting pitcher in college i just was well i mean at least you figured out a role that was going to work for you um yeah I, I read an interview and i think it i think it was before your senior year it was one of these catching up with the the you know the uh, the parkview kids and you were you were quoted something along the lines of you hope to be drafted, but if not, you're planning on working towards your MBA. Like already had the what are you doing after college kind of thing. How how do you you know mentally like you can say you know hey I've got this planned out if I don't get drafted whatever. How do you internally balance the dream versus the the kind of the backup plan? I guess like is your heart fully in the MBA thing at that point? Yeah, it's. I can't tell you exactly when it was, but it was probably around like my sophomore junior year. It's probably more of the closer junior year when I had a great year my junior year. I had a like whatever a sub three ERA like is in the mid twos and like was our guy's go to guy out of the pen or whatever it was. And then even that, I was I was talking to like my advisor at the time and I wasn't gonna go any higher than the twentieth round in that junior year draft. So like for no for like not a lot of money. Like it would have been more beneficial. Like it was Pepperdine would have been more expensive than the money I would have like received in the draft for my slot. So like it just to me, like if you're not going to like sign for a lot of money, like your education is more important. And I think that's just what I was. And I mean, I took I took took things at face value, right? Like I was I was a five foot eleven, six foot right hand pitcher throwing ninety ninety three. Like I was the dime a dozen. There's like there's a many copies of me out there so it wasn't like I had anything special um personally I mean I got kind of just saw things as they were and I was like okay if I go play even if I was a senior sign like for literally no money like am I really going to be successful am I really do I have good chances of making it and I saw that reality of it and I was like baseball got me through college baseball got my education paid for um baseball did a lot for me and I just didn't want my perception of baseball being ruined by basically turning it into like hatred of the sport by throwing away years in the minor leagues, which I would have thought they would have been when I could have been doing other things with a career, progressing my education, like all those things were, I guess what added up to be my ended up deciding factor of like, okay, I mean, I'm not going to try to play indie ball or be a senior sign or anything like that. It was more of like, I was okay letting it go. And 
taking my MBA and starting my career at Deloitte and doing everything like that. So I think it's never easy though, right? Like you grow up, like, especially with the success I had early on, just thinking there's no way I don't make it. But I mean, reality hits, like you see, I saw my ability, like I was like, what my fastest pitch I ever threw was like 94, maybe. And it's just like, I don't know, like how many big leaguers nowadays with average stuff like that are really making it, especially if you're a reliever, like every reliever throws over 98 now. And I just didn't have that. So it's all things as they were, took my appreciation of the sport that got me through college and then just kind of was ready to move on. So not the worst thing. Everyone has their own ceiling. And I think I understood mine pretty well. Did that make your senior season more enjoyable that you weren't like do or die on the draft? Yeah, no, I think it did. I, the only problem was my senior year, I ended up dealing with injuries. Like I think by, I, I for sure tore my UCL. Like my athletic trainer and I, after the year, were like joking about it. Cause I would go in, there was like a thing time ago, halfway through the season where like I heard a pop and I was like, that, that didn't feel good. And then I took like two it's weeks too off. too far for a med red too. Exactly. So I, at that point, I'm like, okay, well, it's not really worth, like sitting out and just doing whatever and throwing away my year anyway. But it's funny because like he knew what was going on completely. I think AJ, he's still there. Great guy. I love AJ. Um, but he uh, would work with me every day to try to like rehab it and like soft tissue, whatever he could to basically make it functioning. But my VO the rest of the year was like below 88. Like I was like 86 to 88 the rest of the year. I could maybe get to 90 if I was like not in excruciating pain that day. Um, but um, that was the only thing that like, really put a damper on my senior year. But other than that, yeah, like I had no stress of like in terms of like moving on to the next level or having to perform to like move on to play professional. Like the only thing I wanted to do was win with my team. And even though I was hurt like most of the year, I still felt like I can contribute and I tried my best. And we only made it to the we made it to the conference tournament, which was pretty good. But um, yeah, I guess took off the stress of like even having that injury, like if I was banking on going through the draft and going to professional baseball, I think I probably would have taken that, like that pain a lot worse and like really being more frustrated. But yeah, I guess having that freedom of accepting that this is going to be my last year and taking that through my play, I don't, it didn't make it easier. Yeah, I think you're right. So easy to walk after that last game, like no temp, like you, you said before, you decided you weren't going to play any ball or anything like that. No, not even like, it never came up, not even like a hint of like, sh- should I put out a feeler? Should I? No, I, I, I guess I still had my advisor um, at the time and they're like, I mean, you could be a like 30, whatever, 38th round, like whatever they call them these days. Like, I don't even know if they have that many. I guess the one year they have the limited rounds of draft. Like, I would have even been in that draft class. So, it's like, I don't know. To me, it didn't make sense. I already had a good job lined up, like, through um, with Deloitte. And I just – it didn't make sense for me. Like, I could start my career. Like, either I'm going to waste away two or three years in the minors and then just – it'd be more for fun, which I wouldn't have taken as for fun because I knew it wouldn't let in, it wouldn't have led anywhere. Um, so, I think at that point I was just more – like indie ball, I wouldn't. I just couldn't see myself being happy playing independent baseball. Like, just I don't know. I really thought like I I was really comfortable with it being my time to stop playing. Like, that was my ceiling. I was okay with it. I made peace with it. Um, I I say it like it's easy, but I think at the moment I was probably a lot more frustrated with just like it not being my end all be all. Like I thought it was growing up, but it's yeah. I think now looking back on it, I would have done the exact same thing. I don't know. I wouldn't have. I just know myself and I know if I I'm honest with myself and my ability at the time, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it. So why do it other than if I wanted to just ruin my perception of baseball. And I always wanted to keep it like a, like a fondness to it of thinking back on my time. So didn't want to tarnish that in any capacity and was just ready to move on. I don't know. I wanted to be professional, I wanted to make money. So made the choice. Just a nice perk. Uh, so I, I usually ask like, you know, if you give yourself a pep talk, like before college or before pro ball or something like that. Um, you kind of, you kind of already touched on what you would tell, you know, what you wish you knew before you got to college. If you could give yourself a pep talk at like 12 or like the day you pulled into Williamsport or any kid going to Williamsport really. Yeah, no, I think, I think nowadays there's just a lot of pressure and, like baseball you're everything's just getting earlier like you said kids are like committing at however early of an age like this is always like it's an unnecessary thing to have i think at that point sports are still just supposed to be fun and i think after yeah i think after the world series and after usa 
I really just put a lot of unnecessary pressure on myself to like always be perfect and always be the best there is. And if for whatever reason, like there's always inevitably going to be someone better than you. And I just don't think I had so much success early on. I just put an enormous unnecessary amount of pressure continuing on where it's like, it's like, I guess it was a perfectionism in me where it's like almost, okay, well, if I'm not the best, like, then what's the point? And I would, like, get in my own head and, like, really be hard on myself and, like, be frustrated that I wasn't the best. And I could, like I said, honest to myself, when I see someone like, for example, Brady, it's, like, really hard to not compare and be, like, why can I be that good at this age? So, and I would just be in this mental battle where I was, like, beating myself up and, like, still trying to work hard and be better, but it was, like, almost in an unhealthy way. So I think if I would go back, like, I would have, like taking the pressure off, like who really knows if I would have been more relaxed as opposed to always having that intensity turn on and always like almost in a very negative way, like who knows where I would have could have gone. Um, but yeah, I guess also something I was internalizing. I wasn't really telling anyone this. It was more of, I just kept it to myself, like sitting in my room thinking about things and like there was no one that really could have helped me with that. It was more of my myself dealing with my own stress and frustrations. But I think, I would tell myself then is just have fun, like still work hard and still expect the best of you, but it's okay if things aren't always like, if you aren't the best, that's okay. Like you, everyone has their own timing. Everyone has their own progression. Everyone has their own ceiling. Like you see Juco guys turn up to be like the best baseball players in the country. It's like everyone has their own schedule. So be okay with how it goes. Just work your hardest, control what you can control. And then wherever that leads you, it's like, at least at the end of the day, you know you did everything you possibly could. And if that's your ceiling, then fine. But if it ends up being even better than what you expected, then even better. So that was something I would definitely tell myself. If everyone has their own path, like we're just work as hard as you can and you'll be where you're meant, you're meant to be. Like everything is supposed to work. Everything's going to work out. So definitely would say that. Do you ever want to go back to Williamsport? Um, we went back that following year. Like after we won, um, they invited us back the next year just to like be the whatever reigning champions whatever it was. And I haven't been back since. Um, I don't know. It might be cool for something like bring the, like five kids eventually one day. Maybe something I would do. I really couldn't see a reason why I'd do it like prior to that. I don't know. Like I'm not like the biggest like fanboy of like little league sports, but I mean I could see a, it'd be pretty cool to go back and see things. I think they probably still have some of our stuff in the museum there, so maybe cool to see. But prior to like kids and family and like i don't know i'm not really someone like who likes to dwell in the past and like really just like oh, i remember my day and keep going back and watch my own videos like i don't do that but it's um yeah it'd be cool though it's a it was a really cool city it's like really it's really cool because everything revolves around the little world series so it's kind of something you'll never see anywhere else but um yeah, I'm not like it's not something I'm dying. I have to see like as soon as possible. Quick rapid fire for you, then let's get out of here. Yep. Favorite college ballpark? You cannot say Pepperdine. Oh, um, A and M, Texas A and M. They're they're really cool. Yeah, Blue Bell. Uh, best hitter you ever faced? John Bouchard. Currently AAA at the Rockies, but he also he and I played travel ball playing together since we were 11, and now he's a guy I was talking about who just debuted a couple months ago. But in high school, he just absolutely owned me. He had like two bombs off me. He went, he went to Cathedral too. So he was on the same team as Brady. Um, so it was always a good game. They had like however many D1 commits, but he was one of them and just absolutely had my number. Favorite home run you've ever hit? Oh, I mean, it would. I didn't hit too many after Williamsport, to be completely honest. So I think it would have been one of the ones there. I think the one against Georgia where I hit it into the bullpen and my guy and my bullpen catcher caught it. That was pretty cool looking back on that. Uh, what is the local San Diego food spot that someone visiting has to eat? Lolita's Taco Shop. There's the closest. The there's one near Petco, and it's my favorite Mexican in the city. Like if you want a good California burrito, um, really good tortilla, which makes the burrito in San Diego. I mean, that's what I think that's my criteria of a good California burrito. Um, but Lolita's burritos taco. It's it's all about the tortilla. Like if you don't if you don't have a good tortilla, it's just it's not good. Um, last one. Everyone gets this. Do you have a nightmare bus ride story from uh, from Northwoods? Or I, I can't imagine you guys have many bad bus rides. Oh, Pepperdine, Pepperdine, but I have plenty of horrible bus ride stories. But I think the worst one we were driving to. I think it was USF. I can't remember if it was a conference tournament up in Northern California or USF. But our bus like broke down halfway in like Central California, and we were like stranded. It happened multiple times, by the way doing this drive from Malibu up to like Northern California, but 
broke down. We were like sitting for at least a couple hours in the middle of nowhere in a grass field, just like sitting there just waiting for a new bus to come. But that was a pretty bad one. Yeah. There's every level of baseball, bad, bad bus rides everywhere. Uh, Kiko yeah. Garcia, that's all I've got for you. Thank you so much for joining from Phenom of the Farm. Yeah, thank you for having me. Pleasure to do all this. You got it, man. And that's it for today's episode from Phenom of the Farm. Huge thanks to Kiko Garcia for stopping by, walking us through his journey in baseball. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and leave a review if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And as always, make sure to subscribe to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA Podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. We'll catch you on this feed in two weeks. Thanks for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.